0: So our first reading this evening is uh, from the book of Exodus. It's on page sixty-five in the Bibles in front of you, there. So it's Exodus thirty-four um, verses one to fourteen. The Lord said to Moses, "Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourselves to me there." Uh, On top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets, like the first ones, and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning, as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. "'O Lord, if I have found favour in your eyes,' he said, "'then let the Lord go with us. "'Although this is a stiff-necked people, "'forgive our wickedness and our sin, "'and take us as your inheritance.' "'Then the Lord said, "'I am making a covenant with you. "'Before all your people, I will do wonders, "'never before done in any nation in all the world. "'The people you live among,' We'll see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God.
1: And the second reading this evening is in Jude, it's page 866, and we're starting at verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.
2: All right, good evening. Let me commence by sharing with you what I believe is probably one of the most frightening verses that we can find in the Bible. It comes from Matthew in chapter 7, where Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Is that not the worst thing you could ever hear? And it's, it's frightening, isn't it? Because, I mean, these people, they certainly one up on me. I uh, can't recall a time that I've prophesied. I uh, certainly haven't driven out any demons and I've got no miracles to count to my name. Yet these people are told by Jesus away from me for eternity. Tonight, Jude has three things he wants us to do. One, make sure that that is not us. Two, make sure that that is not those that we know. And three, make sure that the faith that we have that can save people from that day is never compromised and always contended for. Let's pray that it would be so for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word assures us that every man, woman, and child will stand before you and give an account of themselves. Please, God, in light of that day, help us to see from your word this evening why it matters so much that we contend for our faith, that we contend for it in our lives, in the lives of those we know, And that in doing so, Father, the faith that we have will save us and keep us so that we will stand on that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So where are we up to in our letter of Jude? Remember, that's our big idea. Kept by God as we contend for the faith. So Jude recaps why we need to be contending. Read with me from verses 17. But, dear friends, he says, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, they warned again and again that in the last times, the last times are the times between Jesus' first coming and his return. In these times, today that we're living in, there will be scoffers among you. God's church will not just have God's people in it. No, there will be people in the church who follow their own ungodly desires. These people will divide you and they will follow mere natural instincts. Jude says they will be worldly people. And despite their big spiritual claims, Jude says they do not even have the Spirit. Friends, we all know Christian brothers and sisters who have serious doubts. We know people who have one foot in the world and one foot in church. We know people who used to sit among us and no longer call themselves believers and followers of Jesus. And on that final day, they will hear from Jesus away from you. I'm sure um, if I get this out, you're, you're probably quite familiar with this. Every Australian knows what this is. Uh, and I, I actually do surf lifesaving at Palm Beach, which is a very wussy beach to be a lifesaver at. But, uh, but if I put this, this hat on, this cap, you instantly assume some things about me. You assume that I know how to swim. Uh, you assume that I'm willing to take responsibility for your safety whilst you're at the beach. Uh, you assume that I can do CPR and that I, I'm adamant in first aid. And you would be right to assume those things. But I had to train very hard for them. We got tested again and again to make sure that we were proficient as lifesavers. If you are a Christian, if you are one of these dear friends that Jude is writing to, well, God wants you to put on the red and yellow. God wants you to be a lifesaver, literally. God wants you to contend for others he says that you are to keep watch over yourselves contend for others and hold fast to our saving faith are you up for that challenge are you up to being a lifesaver god thinks you are let's have a look at why there's no point being a lifesaver if you can't swim and so jude's first point is that we must contend for ourselves Literally, Jude says... uh, Sorry, let's, let's read in verse 20 together. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Literally, Jude is saying, keep on building. Keep training. Don't rely back on training you received as a youth leader. Don't look back on the days of your zeal at university. No, keep pressing forward in your Christian faith. That excites me that the Christian faith is something we will always keep growing on, growing in. Uh, At this stage of our lives physically, we don't grow in areas that we'd like to. We grow where we don't want to. But in your faith, you are to keep on growing and keep getting stronger to your life's end. But as Chris mentioned, it's not just stronger, it's stronger together. You can't do the Christian faith alone. And so we are to strengthen ourselves with one another The Christian faith is a team pursuit. You never see a solo lifeguard standing on Bondi Beach uh, pretending that he will be able to keep that beach safe. No, we're a team pursuit. Uh, And what are we to build ourselves up in? Jude tells us we're to build ourselves in our most holy faith. Our faith is most holy because it comes down from God above. Our faith is most holy because you should not mess with it. Our faith is most holy because it will make you holy. The Bible says it will make you into a saint. The holiest people make the best lifesavers. So how do we go about this continuous training program that God wants us on? Well, we pursue God. And not surprisingly, you'll notice that it's a Trinitarian pursuit. End of verse 20 tells us that we are to pray in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is supernatural, isn't it? It doesn't come uh, without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And we also need the Holy Spirit to teach us what to pray. Uh, Jude is not calling you to some higher mode of prayer. He's just saying, pray. Get on your knees and pray to God. Jesus said, you do not have because you do not ask. Verse 21 continues, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. It's like, it's like being told, keep on eating chocolate as you wait for the Easter bunny to arrive. It is such a good offer from God. There is nothing better in this life than God's love. And he has commanded you To keep yourself in it. But we find it really hard, don't we? We find it difficult to keep ourselves in his love. We can keep ourselves in the news. We can keep ourselves in shape. We can keep ourselves engaged uh, in in social media or engaged socially. We can keep ourselves in business, in home renovations. But there is nothing better than God's love. I love that amazing quote by C.S. Lewis. I I don't know exactly how it goes, but it was something along the lines of, we're like children content to play in muddy puddles because we can't fathom what God means by the offer of a holiday at the sea. He says, we are far too easily satisfied. There is nothing better in this life than God's love. Shouldn't we be pursuing it? And we know how we need to keep ourselves in it as well. We need to keep reading about it. We need to keep singing about it. We need to pray that we would know it more. And good things, good things are always best when they're shared with others. So keep on sharing God's love. It's Christianity 101. It's really simple stuff. It's stuff that we know we need to do and we just probably fail to do it. Or perhaps we used to do it and we've gotten out of the habit. Last year, I went and visited a friend that I used to mentor, and uh, we, we sort of engaged in a bit of small chat, and then he started asking me the questions. He said, Ed, what are you and Bridge reading in the Bible at the moment? I said, oh, Mike, we've got kids, man. It's, it's hard to get time to, to read the Bible together. We're talking about what, uh, what we hear in the sermon. And he said, Ed, who are you meeting up with to pray? Oh. Mike, I'm, uh, I'm working full-time, mate. You'll understand, um, you know, you're, you're busy. It's hard to, to get to that. Um, I'm just praying as I, as I commute to work, uh, which was a lie. Uh, he said, Ed, who's keeping you accountable? And I thought, oh, these are all the questions I used to ask him and now he's asking them back to me and I don't even have good answers for him. It's not rocket science, isn't it? It's just keep doing the things you did at first. So... How is your daily Bible reading going? How is your prayer life? Or, or more poignantly, are you scheduling in time in your day or in your week to talk to God in prayer? Good on you. Good on you for whatever hurdles or troubles you had to overcome to get here tonight. What a good decision. And whilst you're here, is there anyone amongst us whom you've given permission to ask you tough questions about your Christian walk. Is anyone keeping you accountable? The best lifesavers are the best trained lifesavers. Keep yourselves in God's love. Keep your eyes peeled for Jesus' return, for his mercy to be revealed, and pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's us. What about the scoffers? What about the scoffers who are leading others astray? Is there any hope for them? Well, Jude says, yes, there is. And it's you. You're their hope. And that's our second point that we are to contend for others. Let's have a look at, uh, at the three different people that Jude presents us with. Three different people, three different spiritual states, but just one, just one approach as we go out to save them. And that is mercy God's mercy. God's mercy has not run out for these people, and, uh, and, and we must assume that not. Oh, and sorry, and our responsibility is that it would not run out on our behalf either. We are to contend for these people, but to contend with mercy. So let me introduce you to three people. They're made up. Meet Laura. Laura is 34, um, she's single, and, and she loves her work. One of the reasons she loves her work so much is that she's made a lot of good friends at work and when she chats with them over Friday night drinks, she finds these friends far more down to earth uh, talking about the real life stuff than the conversations that she has at church. She's actually been too busy with work to be engaged in a connect group for the past couple of years and she still does serve at church uh, but she serves at carols which are uh, not till later on in the year. Laura is asking big questions about God. She's asking, why doesn't he make himself clearer in my life? She still wonders why a good God would let her father die when she was only 24. She wants to ask someone the question about, does the Bible have anything relevant to say about relationships? It was written 2,000 years ago. She wants to know if it says anything about the cute guy who's really into her, who says he's Anglican but doesn't go to church. Verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt. It it would be easy with Laura to grab a Bible and say, look, Laura, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, But it's easy to be harshest with those we can best relate to, isn't it? Because we've actually probably all been in Laura's shoes. Uh, It it was mercy though, wasn't it? It was God's mercy that brought us out of the doubts that we were having. And we must trust that God's mercy will bring her out as well. So commit to Laura. Walk a mile alongside her and walk her out of those doubts. Uh, But walk 10 miles before that, having prayed for her. Uh, Show her that it is God's glory and that it's her soul that you're concerned about, not your hardline doctrine or your views. Make sure that you are a loyal and loving friend to her that she can voice those questions to. Verse 23. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Meet Glenn. Glenn comes to church a little less often these days, uh, but he assures you he's still definitely reading his Bible. Uh, Glenn says to you, he's quite a spiritual guy, and he says he finds the, the teaching here at, black, at uh, Church by the Bridge, he says it's too black and white, and it doesn't leave any room for the Spirit to guide you through the grays of life. Uh, Glenn still has zeal, but it, it doesn't really seem to be zeal for God. Uh, in fact, when you hang out with Glenn, y- you find that the way that he speaks... Uh, the amount that he drinks and the way that he drives his new car, uh, they don't actually show any regard for God whatsoever. Uh, he's, he's anti being a wowser. Uh, he, he really is seeking to engage with the world. In fact, he's dancing so close to the world, but he promises you that he won't fall in. Glenn's gone further than doubting and Glenn is playing with fire. How do we contend for Glenn. It's important, it's important to, be, to be gentle with Glenn. But don't be so gentle that you forget that there's a fire that he's in. Now, if Sodom and Gomorrah, whom Jude spoke of earlier in his letter, if that is an example of what happens to those who play with fire, then we need to show heartfelt concern for Glenn and show him the danger that he's in. Yet we've got great reason for confidence, don't we? Because if God can rescue a million Israelites out of a furnace called Egypt, and if he can rescue you and I, then God's mercy can extend to Glen as well. Keep inviting him back to church. Show him by your concern that he is in a dangerous place. Pray that God would have mercy on him and go further and go after him to snatch him back. Finally, Jude says to others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing corrupted, stained by corrupted flesh. Meet Blake. Uh, Blake was a youth leader at your previous church, uh, but Blake no longer calls himself a Christian anymore. He's made himself up his own title. He calls himself a progressive believer. Uh, Blake pops into church by the bridge from time to time, but only when he's looking to organise a date, uh, he actually dated one of your friends, and uh, and he hurt her really badly. Uh, Glenn is very active on his um, Facebook profile, uh, and and it almost makes you sick to see the things that he's putting up there because you know that the super spiritual guy on Facebook is nothing like the man in the flesh. How do you contend for Blake? Well, Jude says it's mercy. Mercy again. The mercy that Glenn needs is not just to change his lifestyle. No, he needs to fall back in love with the God of all mercy. He needs to meet Jesus again. Rather than pray for judgment on, on, on Blake, we need to pray for his conversion instead. But we're to have mercy mixed with fear. Don't try and... Go after Blake alone. Uh, Just last week, up near Rockhampton, tragically yet another Australian was uh, uh, drowned in their effort to go and rescue someone on their own. Uh, No rescues of this type, they are better done as a concerted team effort. A bunch of mates and I, we've got a, a, a good friend whom we're committed to and we're praying for him together. Uh, I do find, though, the, the message translation of what Jude says uh, at the end of that verse very helpful. He says, As the rescuers, be tender on the sinner, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks. Well, what, what should you do if after listening to this, you've just realized that Christian friends have been contending for you? You should thank God for them. Uh, you should do what we all did when we first understood God's mercy. We repented of our sins and we threw ourselves on the God of mercy, the only one who can save, the only true lifesaver. And that's where Jude wants us all to end up, at the end of his letter. And it's our third and final point, contend for, the, for our salvation. Friends, God is the only true and life, true lifesaver. And it's faith in him that will save us. Let's look at verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling. What a great promise to have. Jude has asked you to keep yourself in God's love, but he wants to conclude by reminding you that God will keep you from falling. Listen to this wonderful verse, Psalm 121. Verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. As we read before, the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God's love, God's faithfulness to you will not run out. He is not in short supply. Isn't it good to know that God will keep you to your life's end? How are you remembering those promises? There is an application that you could get on your smartphone called Fighter Verses that will help you commit verses to your memory. Or if you're old school like me, get a post-it note and write on it, Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault, and with great joy. And put that post-it note on your mirror in your bathroom or on the dashboard of your car. Commit these great promises to your memory because that is another great thing about our God, that he will present you spotless before himself. You know, you might feel a million miles away from spotlessness, but the great news is it's not up to you. It's up to God. And he has promised that he will do it. He will wash your sins away. He says, Though their sins are red as scarlet, uh, are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they were red as crimson, they will be white like wool. More than just making you clean, God says, I am delighted to do this in you. I am delighted to do it. Not because you're a great person, but because you are wearing the robe of Christ's righteousness. He says, you are his son or his daughter, and with you he is well pleased. And so it's right, isn't it, that Jude concludes that to this God, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Do you want to be a lifesaver? God thinks you're up for it. That's because he's up for it. God's been doing it since the beginning of the world. Here's how how, how he's been doing it. He's been calling people like you and I to contend for the faith, once for all entrusted to the saints. We do it by contending for ourselves and our own hearts. Then we go after others and we contend for them and we hold fast to the faith because it's only the faith in the saving God, the true saver, God himself, that will save people for eternity. Then on that final day when you and I and those friends we have gone after stand before Jesus, the words they will hear from his mouth are not away from me, but come and share in your master's happiness. Let's pray that it would be so for each of us. Let's pray. Father God, all glory, majesty, power, and authority belong to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. You are the great lifesaver. But in your infinite wisdom, you have called us to serve as lifesavers under your watch. God, help us to be well-trained, contending, for ourselves and contending for others, and God, as Your mercy has been poured out on us, we pray that You would help us to extend it to those around us. Our confidence, though Lord, is not in us as lifesavers, but in You, the only lifesaver, You who is able to keep us from falling and present us spotless before Your immortal throne. God, You are able.